Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. So excited to be back with you here on this episode. I want to talk to you this morning about a topic that's probably, uh, once again, uh, not real popular. I mean, really, people don't like to talk about what we're going to talk about. I want to talk to you about disagreements in the church and problems in the church. You know, I'm sure you don't know of any people that's had problems in the church, but I've known of a few problems in the church. And I think it's best to remember uh, in the church that everything that happens, there's nothing, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And we need to know that there's a way to handle things that's God's way, first of all. And then there's another way to handle things, which is our way, which is man's way. And man's way will never bring forth, the scripture says, the righteousness of God. The wrath of man shall not bring forth the righteousness of God. But if we do things God's way, the way he's prescribed them to work and we honor God and what we say and do, then all things will work for the good. For what the Bible says, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So first of all, when we have an issue, we need to go to the scripture and look about how to handle the problem. And the the, the answer is in a couple places in the Bible, but I want to deal with one place and that's Matthew chapter 18. That's Matthew chapter 18. So say something happens, uh, someone wrongs you, uh, you've been hurt, your feelings have been hurt. You've been wronged maybe in some type of abuse. You've been lied upon. Uh, you've been stolen from. Something happens. And uh, this is this is where we need to go to the Scripture. And this is what the Bible says. Now, remember, uh, that even if uh, I, I tell people this, uh, they say, well, he's not even a Christian. Well, let me say this to you, Christian. If, even if someone's uh, wronging you and they're not a Christian or you're not sure about their salvation, and I know that's a dangerous place to judge someone's soul. You know, I try not to say they're saved or they're not saved. Uh, You know, maybe they're not right with God. Maybe they're backslidden. Maybe that's the truth, but we still need to handle things God's way. That's very important because I've seen people not handle God's, they use uh, the fact that someone might not be right with God in a way that then they say, because of that, I'm not going to handle this right. And really what you're doing is you're still going against God. You, my friend, are in the wrong. You handle a problem the same way, whether you believe they're saved or not saved, God honors the way that you handle problems. Uh, I've seen this work in my life with people that weren't Christians and never claimed to be Christians. But when you handle things God's way, then God is glorified and then things are resolved as they should be. But Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says this, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. Now, this is the Christian Standard Bible. Some of you have different versions, but it's basically the same just. Go and rebuke him in private. Now, that's a strong word uh, the Christian Standard Bible says to rebuke him. So, tell, tell him your fault. You know, that's what another translation says. Tell him what is going on. And that is so important because I know many people that will be upset about a problem, but they never go and tell anyone their fault. Well, how is anyone ever going to make things right? You'll never truly see the heart of that person until you tell them alone. And let me tell you this, friends. 
If you're not going to tell someone their fault, then keep your mouth closed because the worst thing you can do is go behind someone's back and tell them there's a problem. Speak about them in front of other people, in front of their company, because, friend, you're sinning worse than the whatever transgression they did to you. You're sinning against them more in the sight of God than what they ever did against you, because now you're gossiping, you're backbiting, you're sharing the problem. And you know what? I've learned in church problems throughout the years, not not been involved in hundreds, but dozens of church issues where people had problems. And and most of the time, God-fearing people that claim to be God-fearing, they will not confront their brother or sister. And the first part of this, it says that, you know what I tell people? I say, if you won't go to them and tell them, then you it's not a problem at all. You just are upset and your feelings are hurt. But if you won't go talk to them, you ought to just pray about it and you ought to drop it. Do you know that that is one of the steps of anger is that you just drop it that you just leave it alone, that you just let it go. There's many times we would do ourselves a great justice if we just let things go. But if someone has wronged us, a litmus test for me is, is have they really, really wronged me? Will I really go and approach them and talk to them? Uh, you know, I've had people that are even in leadership in the church that I've went and talked to them a few times, not hundreds, but I have. And I've said, I don't like the way you did this. And I heard this and, you know, I don't like it, you know, and, and most of the time I've found out if I go to them, I usually get a soft answer. Not always. There's been a couple times I haven't, but I'll get a soft answer. I'll get it. And and I'll realize their heart and it makes me feel so much better. And then it says not only to rebuke him in private, if he listens to you, the Bible says you've won your brother. But if he won't listen to you, take two others with you so that by the the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. Uh, one uh, commentator said, I believe it was Matthew Henry, uh, said this, you know, that many eyes are better than one. Uh, and, and that's so true, is that sometimes we get so involved and we get so emotional. I've had it happen to me, friends. I've lost sleep over things that people have done to me. And then if you'll get two or three different people, there'll be wisdom in the room and you'll get a better perspective. You know, the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. I probably say that every other podcast, but we, we need to bring that before two or three different people. Bring a friend with you. Take a friend with them. You know, put it on neutral ground. I like to meet at the church. I like to meet, you know, in a, in a privacy of, of a dinner table, if you will. But let's bring people with us. Let, let's, you know, let's get wisdom in the room. I mean, we can get so emotional. And so uh, I like to use the word obsessive. You know, it's kind of like when you take a pen and you hold it all the way out, it just looks real small. But if you take that pen and then turn it crossways across your eyes and put it in right in front of your eyes, then all you can see is that pen. You can't see the wall in front of you. You can't see the per- the person in front of you. All you can see is the problem, the pen being the problem. The problem just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more you think about it. But if you'll bring it out in the open, if you'll bring it out into the light of God and you'll bring people with you, sometimes I've seen how foolish I've been when I really go and bring it before people. And I say a counselor is a great place for this. You know, it might just be one other person that you bring in. And, you know, maybe a mediator, but, you know, try to resolve things quickly. That's another thing I see is people drag things on and then it just seems like there's more hurt and more problems and you drag them on, you know, bring them out quickly, but let it be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And then it says, if he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church, if he doesn't pay attention to the church, let him be like a Gentile or a tax collector 
to you. So he says, if he doesn't pay attention to them, tell it to the church. Now, I've seen people that believe this. And as a matter of fact, I've seen congregations that believe this in pastors. And they believe that means you're going to take that person, take the problem on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, or a Sunday evening, and you tell the problem to the whole church. Now, friends, that's exactly what you should never do. That's not at all what the scripture's saying here. Remember, this is in Matthew. This is in chapter 18. The church as we know it really hasn't even been established. It's the beginning of the true church. But at this time, there were some people, some disciples, Christ is teaching them, Friends, you are the church. He was talking to the disciples. He was talking to the select few people, telling them, this is how you run things. So he wasn't talking to all the people they were trying to convert or had converted. He's talking to them. He says, bring it before. He, you are the church. You few men that are here, you're the church. And that's what we should do. We should take it to the leadership of the church. Now, there are normally people, whether it be deacons or trustees or pastors, of a church. That's what he's saying. I'm not against, I've been in things with our pastor to where we've shared together about problems and about people want to talk to us and they bring us in. There's, that's biblical. That's, that is something God will honor. That is something that will bring forth a great, uh, God will be a, will prove of this type of thing, but he does not approve of someone bringing it in front of an entire church. I know churches that have scorned people, brought them up in front of people and really opened up their life to all these other people. Listen, we know there's many people that do not need to know about problems that all they, all they want to talk about is the problem. All they want to think about. Matter of fact, people, sometimes I've seen with some serious codependence issues, they get more upset about someone else being wrong than them being wrong. It's like, you know, someone can run them over and it's not that big of a deal, but someone can bump into someone else. And I mean, they got to defend them and fight for them. And my brothers and sisters, that's where you split the church. That's where problems get to be too big. The scripture's not saying bring it before the whole church, but bring it before the leadership of the church. God has anointed people. We have trustees at our church and I'm very comfortable. I don't need to be involved with problems. I do counseling at our church. I help people but I don't need to be there. But somebody, get another pastor, get a leadership, get a trustee. You know, we have several pastors that do preaching in our church. They're very capable of handling these things. And by the way, when we have a problem, here's the rule, is that if you are not a part of the problem or you're not a part of the solution, then keep your mouth shut. I have went to other pastors and spoken to them about how to deal with the problem. And I say that is ministry. I don't say it is gossip. I say it because I want wisdom from someone else, another set of eyes that I want. And anybody that comes to talk to me knows if they come to me and talk to me about something and I get stuck, I'm going to call another counselor. I have doctors that I call. I have different people that I console in and also the other pastors of our church. And that's exactly a biblical way. I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't talk about that. One of the worst things pastors do is they don't talk about it with other men of God. And where I'm talking about being a solution, I'm talking about being a help. Friends, some of these problems aren't real simple. They are complex. And I, I, I'm afraid sometimes we take a simplistic view sometimes to complicated problems. Sometimes the problems affect families and multiple generations and multiple families within 
within the church and multiple leadership. And sometimes they need to be talked about. I don't think many times, but sometimes they do. So we're to bring them before the church, the leadership of the church, the pastor of the church. And then it says this, if he doesn't, and it says, if he doesn't pay attention, even to the church, let him be like a Gentile, a tax collector to you. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth have been loosed in heaven. And that's what it, it, it's saying that you are to treat them like a tax. So you are to, okay, say, look, you know, they're, they're, they're probably got an evil heart. You know, hey, they may be saved. They may not be saved. But you need to, to walk, you know, shake the dust off your feet. And you need to move on with life. One of the worst things you can do is dwell on the problem. Do you know, friends, I've seen people have a problem with one person and leave the church. God help us. You know, in our church, uh, 300 plus other people that they got along with, but they get a problem with one person in the church. And I'll be bold enough to say this, even um, one of the pastors of the church, you're going to walk away from the friends and the people that love you and want to help you and support you for one person. God help us. That right there, friends, is getting things out of hand, and then they walk away. No, just take that person. Take that person and just say, hey, look, I'm not going to be around them. I'm going to walk away from this. I'm not going to give them heed. Here's what what I'm afraid happens, and this is a serious, it's another litmus test, if you will. When I allow someone else's opinion or someone else's wrong of me to make me so upset and to discourage me so much to change my normal routine of life, the way I live my life, then I'm giving that person too much power. Only God has that kind of power. What God says goes. When someone else has wronged me, I can, I should be able to. And I know sometimes the wrong might come from a spouse. Sometimes the wrong might come from a child. I understand people hurt your feelings and people do things that are hurtful. But the opinion that matters most to me is the opinion of God. And God has the final say. And I hold his opinion higher than every opinion. I hold his opinion higher than the pastor's opinion, than my opinion. I hold the opinion of God the highest. And if someone wrongs me, if someone hurts me, I'm to treat him like a task collector. I'm to say, you know what? They are what they are. Leopard doesn't change his spots, people say. And many times people just hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And for me, I try to find compassion for that person. I try to find empathy for that person. I try to pray for that person. Of course, while you're doing these things, you're praying. You're asking God. You're saying, God, help me with this person. Help me with this problem. Do you know many times I've seen problems bring forth great relationships between people if they'll handle things God's way? If they'll talk to him, if they'll say, hey, brother, sister, you wronged me. A lot of times that person will say, are you serious? They didn't even know. You know, they didn't. And, you know, you know, while I'm talking about this, I think some people are hurt a lot. I think some people are hurt. They're hurt over small offenses. I mean, let's not forget the disciples were tough people. They were. They were fishermen. They were men's men. I tell men this all the time because it's like we've, you know, uh, 
we've taken the, the manhood, if you will, out of out of the Christian life, and we've made it this soft little pliable thing. And me being an old oil field hand, you got to understand where I come from. But still, I think we've kind of you know softened down this Christian thing that we're all supposed to walk around with real soft voices all the time, and supposed to tiptoe around on eggshells, and everything's sweet and smells good. And no, the fishermen they stunk. They're stinky people. I mean, those men were tough. They had calluses on their hands. That's who the people Jesus chose. I mean, one pastor said this. He said, you got to, you know, be as harmless harmless as a dove, but have skin like a rhinoceros to be in the pastorship. Sometimes pastors themselves are hurt by things that are said by people that are just ignorant people. That are just people that need to be treated like, you know what, hey, they're young in the Lord. They're not they're not smart enough. I hate to say it, but they just don't have the wisdom. They haven't walked this walk long enough to know that the power of the tongue, the Bible says the power of the tongue is like a rudder of a ship. It can steer it in any direction. And people are people. People are going to hurt you. People are going to, but if we're offended in every turn and everything, friends, it ought not be. We got to be tougher than that. We have to be like the disciples. And I have to tell myself this, you know, every man likes to be a big, tough guy, but sometimes my feelings get hurt. Sometimes people have done things to me, but am I going to get mad at them? Am I going to walk away? Am I going to, or am I just going to try to work through the problem then when the problem don't work out? I say, you know what? Their heart's not right. Whatever. They don't see it like me. They don't think they harm me. They don't think there's nothing wrong in the attitude they have or what they do to me. Then whatever. Treat them like a tax collector. And then this is the tough part. Then finally it says, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven again. True, I tell you, if two on earth agree about a matter that you pray for to be done by you, by my father. And you know what this is saying? This is really saying, you know, you basically put them out. You say, you know what? Then you're not in the church. You're not the body of Christ to me. Now, I think it's a very rare thing that the church actually removes someone from fellowship, but there is a time for that. If they continue to abuse people and won't come to repentance, then there is a place. And that's what the scripture is saying. It says, if you bind them, if you bind them and say, you know what? You're, you know, you're bound to this church. That's one thing. But if you loose them and say, you're loose, you're no longer part of the body of Christ. That I know that's tough, but there's a place for that. And there's a leadership that that has that ability. Our pastor and, and myself, we've been a part of been able to say, you know what, maybe it's not the greatest place for you to go to church here a few times. But at the same time, normally when you handle things God's way, it never comes to that. That person knows you've did what you think about it, and they see it, and they walk away. But there is a place of, say, if a person is abusing people multiple times in the church, especially some of those that are uh, the, the least able to defend themselves, the smaller in the church, the weaker in the church, taking advantage of people and doing things, then you know what? There is a place that then you're to loose them from the church. But then guess what? There's something else to that. So we're to lose them out of our life. Just say individually, myself, I say, you know what? You're, you're like a tax collector. You're like a publican. I lease you from my life. You're not a part of my life anymore. But guess what? Then the Bible says, how many times do you forgive your brother? 70 times seven. And you know what? That didn't mean 70 times seven. That meant multiple times, many, many, many times. But if they come to you in a spirit of humility and meekness and you restore them, the Bible says, Paul said that if a brother or sister offends you, then you're to restore them in like manner, lest you yourself fall. So if someone offends you, if someone wrongs you, and then they come back to you in a spirit of humility, then you're to restore them. So if someone even is even loosed from the church, from their bondage, from their, uh, for the bounds from the church, if, they, if you loose them, and then they come back, then we're to allow them back into fellowship. There is a time and a place for that. If they truly repent, if they truly love God, if they truly mean what they do, 
The same way in our personal life. You know, friends, there's people that's wronged me and people that's really upset me. And, and, you know, I've talked to them about it. And you know what? There's some great relationships in my life now. And I'm glad I didn't wash them off. You know, I don't ever write anybody off. Uh, I know there's offenses that maybe you're even listening and you say, we'll have to write them off. Well, I'm not saying I've never had anything happen to me that, you know, I never restored. I never have restored every relationship. But in the church, God help us that we write people off and we say, oh, well, you know, I just can't ever know you or be friends with you again. One old oilfield handy told me, he said, hey, he said, be careful who you don't like and who you're mad at because tomorrow they might become your boss. And I'll tell you what, people change. And I, I refuse to believe that God's power can't change the heart of man. Oh, what are we? Job said we're just worms. We're just worms in God's sight, but God's power can change us. Oh, I still have hope for people to change. I have hope for people that hurt people that they'll come along and they'll come to themselves and God will deal with them and they'll just change and they'll be a better person. They won't hurt people. And you know what? How much love can we show someone? I'll never forget the story and I'll close on this and Oh, after old Jim Baker, he'd made such failures and he had ripped off people and he had done wrong things to people and he was in prison and he said he was down and he was so down on himself. You know, he was even contemplating suicide and he was in the restroom and they had him cleaning the restroom with a brush down, brushing the floor. And he said, he said, Hey, you got a visitor, Jim, you got a visitor. And he thought, well, that's strange. A visitor would come back here. They, they would let him in here. I usually even pulled out and go. And I didn't expect anyone. No one had been coming to see him. You know, the church had turned their back on him. And he was scrubbing the floor. And all of a sudden, he heard click, click, click. And the man was coming. And he saw a pair of shoes as he looked over. And he didn't even want to look up. And he saw a pair of black leather shoes. And when he looked up, there stood Billy Graham. And Billy Graham said to him, he said, Jim, he said, I want to just come and tell you I love you. He said he fell in his arms and wept like a baby. He said he cried and cried and cried because Billy Graham would love him enough to come and love on him. He had wronged people. He'd ripped them off. He'd used them for their money. He'd become a hireling for the church. But Billy Graham loved him. And he said that was the beginning of the healing in my heart that I really repented and loved God. Friends, we could be that person that loves people. We can go to them and tell them we love them with tears in our eyes. I've seen mothers and sons and daughters with tears in their eyes about how they've been hurt. And I said, why don't you take those tears? And why don't you walk over to that person? And why don't you have those same tears, that same affection? And why don't you approach them about the problem? And friends, the problem would change if we took that attitude. Take the tears in our eyes and walk to them. And we may see a change in someone like Billy Graham Saul and Mr. Baker. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. I encourage you to use the scripture and use them like God says. And until next time, friends, God bless.